All right, let's get to Major Garrett, CBS's chief Washington correspondent. He's the guy in charge of the Takeout podcast. His book, The Big Truth, has really salient stuff about what happened today, actually. He's with us from Mar-a-Lago, where he is on the ground. Uh, Major, why Mar-a-Lago? Because the former president of the United States, now indicted in a New York court of law, will come to Mar-a-Lago at about 8 o'clock this evening, give or take a few minutes and give remarks in response to that historic indictment. And if you ever thought there would be a day in American history where a former president would be indicted and hours later turn that into something akin to a campaign event, well, get ready, because that's what it's going to be. I'm here in the uh, ballroom of Mar-a-Lago, a place I've been many times before. One of the last times we spoke, or the last time I spoke to you from Mar-a-Lago ballroom, it was when the former president officially announced his campaign for re-election in 2024. The ballroom is exactly as it was then, except there are fewer seats set aside. I gather from that that the president's handlers believe the crowd will be smaller. How enthusiastic that's to be determined. And the tenor of his remarks still unknown. But the district attorney in Manhattan is speaking on his behalf now. The indictment is out. The public scrutinizing it. And the, public will, and the president will speak from here in about, well, give or, give or take three hours. So, Major, as we all know, every person is presumed innocent until found guilty, but I find myself saddened on this day. A former president charged with 34 felonies. The talk going into today was he could be charged with a felony or two. 34 felonies, and that DA you referred to saying everyone stands equal before the law. You've had a a chance to digest some of this now. What stands out the most to you with what we know? That this country is still relitigating what happened in the 2016 presidential election. The essential allegation from the Manhattan District Attorney is that there was a scheme, that's his word, not mine, Alvin Bragg's word, to suppress stories that were negative about then-candidate and nominee Donald Trump that could have had a material impact on the election. And that suppression of those stories was a scheme that violated New York code in terms of business records and a set of conversations that reveal, according to the District Attorney, motive to suppress that for political gain. So we go back to what actually happened in the 2016 elections. The president told us something terrible happened in 2020, which didn't, but this indictment takes us back to what did or didn't happen in 2016. And to your point, John, that this is a day that feels sad. It feels sad to me. It feels very sad to me. Uh, yes, I mentioned this will feel like a campaign event of some kind or another here, but that will be masking things a little bit. Anyone who saw the former president's demeanor in court today knows it's a heavy moment for him. It's a moment he never thought would come. It's a moment he's greeted with rage to a certain degree and accusations against the district attorney. But now he's going to have to face this indictment and go through a criminal judicial process as a candidate for the highest office in the land. It's a heavy day for the entire country. Well, Major, the ex-president's lawyer, uh, Joe Tacopina, had said uh, that he'd hoped the arraignment was, quote, painless and classy, end quote. Uh, do you think it lived up to that? And uh, uh, what were your impressions on how Alvin Bragg delivered the, the news after the arraignment? So I don't do uh, theater critic journalism. So Alvin Bragg is a district attorney. He's submitted an indictment to the grand jury. The grand jury has uh, okayed that through the processes in New York. He's had a press conference the uh, uh, allegations and the facts behind them, and this will now be tried in a court of law. And all the processes accorded to a defendant and a prosecution will be followed. The one thing I will say today, 
is that it was less spectacle than I thought it would be. The very nature of the pictures are unprecedented, and so they create within the entire collective psyche of the country a kind of gasp. But the motorcade came unobstructed. The former president entered unobstructed. The former president did not talk to the cameras, though his campaign aide suggested he might. He was somber and serious. The process moved forward as it would under the rules of court procedure. And he's now flying back here to Mar-a-Lago. So in that sense, in that sense only, meaning the process, the process was followed. The process was, to the degree it's possible with a former president of the United States, normal, and the wheels of justice will turn. CBS Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett is with us from Mar-a-Lago. I find myself almost in disbelief, like belief is suspended, maybe is a better way to put it, that in some quarters this seems to boost his chances of winning the Republican nomination. I know I'm getting way down the road here, but they're already campaigning on this. They're already raising money on this. And even here in Wisconsin, there are some that are galvanized now that this is the guy he's being treated wrongly. Have you ever seen anything quite like this? No. And uh, the former president, when I first started covering him as a candidate in 2015 and all through 2016, brought what can only be described as a unique approach to politics. It was always ready to punch and punch back hard against the establishment, against rivals, against critics, against anyone who questioned anything either about the legitimacy of his campaign or his intelligence or his political demeanor or clout, anything. And now he questions everything about whatever he did. I mean, the essential distillation of former President Trump's orientation to every investigation currently in pursuit is that he never did anything wrong ever anywhere. He is 100% innocent of everything, and he's only being hounded because he is a threat to the establishment. And there is a not unsubstantial part of the Republican Party that believes that as if it were doctrine. But the only reason that the former president is being pursued in any of these investigations is because he's a threat to the establishment. And as his backers, as his supporters, they want to rally to him almost without his request. Yes, he requested informally and formally on his social media platform, but he doesn't even need to do that. He knows that. He reinforces it, but they're there anyway. And it's a divide in American politics that is genuine. It is real. And I don't want to say it's widespread because I would suggest it's a majority, but it's widespread enough to be central in the conversation about who the next Republican Party nominee for president will be. So you're there in the Mar-a-Lago ballroom. Do you expect tonight to be defiant? I don't know. I have no expectations for tonight uh, other than the president will speak. And the people who traveled with him to New York, of course, his legal team was there. But everyone who left Mar-a-Lago with him was a campaign advisor. So the politics and the law of this will commingle. I think the president's deportment yesterday going to Manhattan, his demeanor going into the courthouse, his demeanor in the courtroom, all suggest a, a somberness and a seriousness, which I believe is consistent with the advice his lawyers have given him. Treat this seriously, Mr. President, so people will see you as a serious person up against a serious set of charges, and you deserve your day in court, and you deserve your opportunity to assert your, uh, your innocence in your own terms. Everything has been, I think, reflective in the last 24 to 36 hours of his lawyer's advice, not his political advisor's advice. And Major, in that... What he does tonight will be a combination of the two, I think. 
And Major, in that ballroom where you mentioned there are chairs set up and not as many as you might have expected to see, who will be in those chairs? Some select journalists such as yourself. Well, so we're on the riser. We're way in the back. We're nowhere near where the president will be or his supporters will be. We're all cordoned off, and that's typical at a Trump event. Um, the people who will be here are invited guests. But also remember, this is a private club. Members of the club can be here. They pay for the privilege of coming to the club whenever they want to. And one of the perks of being a member of Mar-a-Lago is you get to see moments like this. And if you believe that they are historic moments and you are supportive of the owner of the club, Donald Trump, you're going to be here. Some members of Congress who have long been in the trenches with former President Trump are likely to be here. Maybe some other politicos, um, those who are in the Trump orbit and are supportive of his reelection campaign. But as I said, the number of rows of seats and as far back in the ballroom is about two-thirds the size it was on announcement night. So it's going to be, uh, it seems to me they're anticipating a smaller crowd. CBS Chief Washington Correspondent Major Garrett on the ground at Mar-a-Lago. Thank you, Major.